0: Everyone, and uh, it's good to be here with you this morning. Um, I told them earlier that uh, that when I preach, I get maybe an occasional amen or two. But when John preaches, people bring in food for the food pantry. It's a uh, quite a quite a bit more of a response. So, congratulations, John, and that's the last time that you'll be preaching. So, um, uh, I did want to thank you all for um, uh, for the uh, outpouring of uh, of love and congratulations and support. Um, uh, for uh, the birth of Liesel, and uh, we are doing uh, we are doing well. In fact, uh, Megan was doing well enough that last night um, the plan was that she and Liesel would actually come this morning. So, um, but Liesel was so excited about it that she could not sleep for most of the night, and so uh, we ended up deciding, or Megan ended up deciding this morning that uh, it would be best to perhaps await the arrival of that. But I really do want to thank you for your support and. Um, you'll be happy to know that four days into her life, last a week ago Friday, uh, we made our inaugural run to Bub's Burgers, and uh, I, I think it's important early on in a child's life to show them the finer things in life. Amen. And so, uh, so that is certainly one of them. And so uh, she, she did well there, and uh, but everyone is doing well, if not just a wee bit tired. So, speaking of we. Let's get to Zacchaeus. We're going to look over this great, great story. What a great story from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And I um, invite you to join in and to listen uh, to these words from Luke. He, being Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but On account of the crowd, he could not, because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. And all who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, and let's pray. God, we come to you this morning reading this story, a story that's oftentimes a children's story as we first hear it. But we know, Lord, that you tell us stories not just for when we are children, but even as we age. You have an amazing spirit, and a spirit that is able to speak to us no matter where we are, what station we are at in life. So I hope and pray that you will speak to us this morning, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen and amen. So it's not all that surprising that this story was included in the Jesus Storybook Bible. I mean, it is a perfect story for children, is it not? I mean, first of all, of course, uh, it has a great song attached to it, right? This is a part of the CD in the Bible. I'm quite certain of it. Everyone know the song? Everyone learn that? Well, we're going to see. No, I don't just need to raise a hand. I want to hear a raising of voices. Okay, are we ready? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree, for the Lord he wanted to see. You can do hand motions. And as he he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today for I'm going to your house too. Great job. I don't know why you didn't sing that today, John. Come on. Yeah, well done. Well done. All right. So, of course, okay, so it already has a song, so that makes sense. Uh, Uh, Of course, it also has climbing, climbing a tree, and and, and most kids, they love to climb things, be it a tree or a wall or their parents, whatever it is, they love climbing. So there's a natural affinity there. And then, of course, Zacchaeus is a wee little man. He is short, right? And and most kids know what it's like to be short, and they they struggle with that. And so here you have Zacchaeus, he's almost a champion for, for kids because of the fact that that he shows that your shortness does not have to keep you from going wherever you want to go, doing whatever you want to do, or seeing whatever you want to see. So Zacchaeus is a great story for children. But it's also, it seems to me, a great story for adults. And as I kind of said in the prayer, it's easy for us, as we've said several times, as we've been doing the Jesus Storybook Bible, to to forget that actually these stories have something to teach us as adults. And so one of the things that's great about the story is that that Luke kind of just throws everything out there in the very beginning. Luke says Zacchaeus is a wee little man, and he is a tax collector, and he is rich. Right? Right? So already, if you're hearing this story for the first time, especially if you're hearing this back a couple thousand years ago, you think, okay, I already know everything I need to know, right? Zacchaeus is a tax collector, which means I don't like him, right? I mean, if you think that the IRS is not like now, you should have thought about what the IRS back then was, okay? These were hated people, okay? And and not only because of the fact that they were just collecting taxes, but also because of the fact that they oftentimes were collecting more than they should have been collecting. And beyond that, even if you're a Jewish person, oftentimes they were seen as traitors because, of course, they were working for the Roman government and not for your own people. And so automatically then, if you're hearing this, you don't like it and you don't like him. But of course, there's also the fact that he's rich, And you may not know this in the context, but just a few paragraphs earlier, Jesus has told the disciples that it is harder for a rich man to get into heaven than it is for the camel to go through the eye of a needle. Meaning, of course, if you hear this story, you already think you know exactly where it is going, especially if you don't know Jesus. You think that where this story is going is that Jesus is going to tell this tax collector everything you've always wanted to tell your tax collector, but were afraid to do so. But of course, that's not what happens. Now, instead, what happens is that we see Zacchaeus, who is passionate about seeing Jesus. Now, you have to tip your hat here to Zacchaeus because he really wants to see Jesus, so much so that he runs. And, of course, running in that day and age for a man, a proper man, would have been looked down upon. You don't run in your dress if you're a man, right? No, you walk, right? And so the fact that he's running, already people would have been thinking something bad about this person that they already think something bad about. And yet, Zacchaeus doesn't seem to care, does he? He he really, really wants to see Jesus. He really, really wants to know more about him. He really, really wants to be able to get up close and personal to a point. Because he finds what kind of tree? A sycamore tree. And there's a couple things about sycamore trees you should know. First of all, they have low branches, Low branches are good if you are we, right? And so low branches, so easily climbable, right? That's important, okay? So he doesn't need a boost. He can do it on his own, okay? But not only that, but sycamore trees are also big, leafy trees. And so what many scholars would say, would suggest that not only that as he goes up there in the sycamore tree, that he also finds a tree in which he can remain hidden. And so what we see going on here is a man who wants to see Jesus, but a man who is not yet sure that he wants Jesus to see him. And I think that that's a pretty significant thing for those of us who maybe Zacchaeus is, for those of us who may be seeking. Oftentimes, when you're at the beginning of a faith journey, what you want to do, and I think this is great and understandably so, and we want to be a church where this can happen, you want to learn more about Jesus. You want to see Jesus as much as you can. But the reality, of course, is at some point, you have to allow Jesus to see you, and that is much more vulnerable. All of us would prefer to just be able to see people, right? This is why This we're we're voyeurs, right? This is why we, we we get on Facebook and we may not post something, but we just read about what everyone else is doing. We, we like to know what's going on with other people, but we don't want them to know what's going on here because we know what it looks like inside of here. And so Jesus, or excuse me, Zacchaeus, is willing to see Jesus, but at this point, he doesn't want Jesus to see him, which is why it had to be a little awkward when Jesus clearly saw him. And he looked up. And he said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. And to where does he tell Zacchaeus to go? Not to Jesus' house, not to Jesus' friend's house, but to Zacchaeus' house. And he wants him to go there immediately. In other words, Zacchaeus, you have no time to go home and vacuum or dust or scrub the toilet. And that's remarkably vulnerable. This past week, these past two weeks, we've had a lot of friends, some of you, who have come over. Uh, You maybe delivered a food or you just wanted to see the baby. And as you've come over, uh, one of the first things that Megan or I, usually Megan has said, is, sorry, sorry about that. You know, it's a little dirty here. I'm sorry about that. You know, we've been kind of preoccupied. We've been tired. You know, why do we say that? Because, A, we're embarrassed, and, B, we want you to think that our house is always spotless. But it's not. And we feel vulnerable because we're afraid that you might go home and you might say, can you believe they live in that kind of place? All right, this is honest. You guys feel this? I've been in some of your houses. You should feel it. so we feel vulnerable, right? And that's exactly what's happening here, is that Jesus is saying, are you willing to invite me into your home, into your life, where I will see everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly? And to Zacchaeus' credit, he hustles home. And they get home, right? And all of a sudden, we see things begin to change. It's remarkable all of a sudden, because of the fact that Zacchaeus is allowing Jesus into his life, things are happening. Jesus says that salvation has come to this house today. He says that why? Well, first of all, of course, he says it because of the fact, that, again, that Jesus has invited him into, or that Zacchaeus has invited him into his home, into his life. But, of course, we also see, as we've talked about, that salvation will end up kind of flowing out. And so all of a sudden, Zacchaeus is saying, hey, I'm going to repay this, I'm going to repay that. All of a sudden, Zacchaeus is concerned about more than just himself. Zacchaeus is beginning to love neighbor. And as we've talked about again and again, when it comes to the kingdom of God, salvation ushers us into the kingdom of God and then calls us to help bring about that kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. It is a remarkable image. And I hope and pray that if you are here this morning or if you know somebody like this, that you will let them see this remarkable image of what it looks like to see Jesus and of the reality of the difficult next step that it always will come of when you say, I am going to allow Jesus to see everything that I am. I'm going to stop pretending, stop acting like I've got everything in order. Jesus says, come today, hurry today, not tomorrow, not next week, but come today. Stop waiting until your house is in order and until you understand me completely. Come today. Salvation will be a part of your life. It's a great, great image. And it has something to teach to our children, including those who are children in the faith. But it seems to me that it also has something to teach to those of us who perhaps have been on the journey for a little while. That it has something perhaps to teach to the church. And one of the questions, of course, uh, that, that or one of the things that we hold in high stead here is the importance of our wanting to be a place and be a people that those who are seeking want to come. Right? We always say this. We're about the others. We want to make disciples. We want people who are going to come and be disciples. And if we are a church like that, then this story should bring up a very important question. And that important question is this. Why was Zacchaeus so intrigued by Jesus? Why is it That Jesus piqued the curiosity of Zacchaeus, so much so that he was willing to do whatever it took in order to learn more about him. That's an important question for the church to ask. And there are, of course, some easy answers to that, some that perhaps roll off the tongue. Uh, Well, perhaps it's because Jesus was doing miracles and people wanted to see miracles, and there certainly could be some truth in that. Perhaps it's because of the fact that he was popular, and everyone wants to be around the popular guy, and so maybe he just wanted to to see what it was that made him so popular, and and perhaps that's why he was there. But as I thought about that question more, my mind kept getting drawn more to the crowd, the grumblers who were there in the story. The crowd, they were upset, right? Right? They were upset because of the fact that Jesus was in this house with a tax collector and sinner like Zacchaeus. That bothered them, that he was so close to the unclean. It reminded me as I was thinking about it of something that happened earlier in Jesus' ministry. It came in Luke 5. It's a story, and you can look it up later if you want to. You can look it up now look it up later. Here's what happens. Jesus goes in and he finds a a guy. He sees a guy named Levi, and Levi is a tax collector. And Levi decides to hold a great banquet, we are told. And of course, he invites Jesus, and Jesus goes, and Luke tells us, he's very clear about this, that in that banquet, there were a lot of tax collectors. This was the den of iniquity. And Jesus was there in the middle. And guess what? The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the good church going folk, they were upset. And why were they upset? Well, they told us they were upset because Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners. Why? is it that Zacchaeus was desperate to see Jesus? It wasn't because of the miracles or the fame. It's because he wanted to see the person who was willing to eat with the likes of him, even knowing who he was and what he had done. Here was somebody who said, I don't care if nobody else in the church is happy about this. I am going to go and hang out and eat and drink with this sinner. And nothing was going to stand in the way of Zacchaeus seeing this. Seems to me that that should give us something to ponder. Are we a church that piques the curiosity of Jesus so much because of the fact that we are so willing to go and to be with those who everyone else has shunned for one reason or another. I thought about that story. I kept thinking about it, and then I was told a story about two weeks ago. It was a story that had happened probably, I don't know, just a few weeks before that. it, It deals with one of our covenant children, one of our ZPC students. On a Sunday at ZPC, she had been challenged. She had been challenged to do something for God, something that would get her out of her comfort zone, something that, you know what, she may not really even want to do. And and so, okay, she said, she took that. You know what, she actually listened. That's always good. And so later on that week, she was in the school cafeteria. Everyone remembers school cafeterias? Oh, those are good places to be, huh? She was in the school cafeteria and she was eating with her friends. And as she's sitting there and she's eating with her friends, she looks over and she sees a table where there is one lone girl sitting. And she wonders to herself, is this what they were talking about on Sunday? Now, I give her credit because if it was me, I think I know what I might say. Now, I'm sure God has something bigger later in the week. And before you know it, it's Sunday, and, well, I didn't see anything. So she does something. She says, you know what? First thought is, let's see if maybe maybe I'll I'll ask the table, if, if maybe she can come over and sit with us. It's a great idea. So she runs that by the table, and they were less than enthusiastic. And I get that. I've been in high school and middle school. I know what that's like. So then she had a question. What does she do? Well, here's what she did. She packed up her lunch. She brought a friend. And she walked over to that table. If you remember school cafeterias, you remember that that ain't easy. She sat there, and, and, and she conversed with her, and, and, and later on, as she, she was talking about this or thinking about it, she said a couple things. One, one we were, it was great that God allowed us to participate like this, but secondly, it was hard. Hard when our friends weren't all that eager to do it. As I thought about that story, as I've continued to kind of wrestle with that story, one of the things that I want to tell you is what we're doing here matters, We're not just gathering here for an hour just to kind of get a Jesus fix. What we're doing here matters throughout the week. And it matters where you work, and it matters on Thursdays when you're in school. It matters in the cafeteria. It matters everywhere. And I was struck by what this covenant child of ours did. And what it might teach us. The other thing that struck me as I thought about this scene a bit more is the simple reality that even though most of us are out of school, we still live in a school cafeteria society. It's just a little bit fancier. We have a little bit more control. Think about it. When you get a job... As soon as you make enough money, you move into a neighborhood, a neighborhood full of people who, by and large, have the same values as you, the same priorities, like the same things, people, in other words, that you wouldn't mind sitting around a table and having a meal with. We go shopping. We go to the kinds of places that we like, the fashions that we like, the fashions that we afford, and we see other people there, people probably that we could go to the food court and well, we could eat with them. We join, as we get older, perhaps uh, leagues or, or different kind of companies or organizations, uh, people who perhaps, because we do this, we could go on picnics with, and that's not a problem. Society keeps us in that cafeteria type of mentality. and We don't complain too much. We don't want to be that one person sitting over at the table. all right. I don't get too caught up in what society does. I do get caught up when the church acquiesces to that. And honestly, I see that. It's not new. This is exactly what the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the crowds were doing, is it not? Everything would have been fine. They would not have been upset if the prostitutes had kept eating with the prostitutes. If the tax collectors had kept eating with the tax collectors, if the Pharisees could keep eating with the Pharisees, if the the good church going folk could keep eating with the church going folk, that would have been fine. It's just when, when Jesus came in and said, you know what, these tables aren't good enough, and as Jesus is apt to do, began to upend them. That's when problems started coming up for the good church going folk. We see it. We see it now in modern America in the church. I think we kind of tend to do a couple things. One is we, perhaps we have a table and we we try to make the table as entertaining and exciting as possible, hoping that other people will just come to our table. We don't say it, but by and large what we do makes it so that people who come to our table will be the people that we want to come to our table. Or, and I find this happening oftentimes when a church has lost its mission. We see people who sit around and they start looking at the people who surround them at that table and they start wondering, you know what, I don't think that person really should be at our table anymore. And so we suggest explicitly or implicitly that perhaps they would be more comfortable at another table someplace else. And the cafeteria tables just go on and on and on. There's Lots of tables. We have a, a choir table. These are for people who, who like to uh, like to hear choirs, and so we put them at the nine o'clock table. We have the contemporary music table. That's for the hippies like John who like guitars and drums, and that's a ten thirty table. We, you know, we have we we have Presbyterian tables, we have non denominational tables. By the way, those tables are a lot cooler than the Presbyterian table. We have conservative Christian tables. We have liberal Christian tables. Everything is okay as long as everyone stays at their own table. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus, And seekers and prostitutes and the poor and the hungry and the lost and the unloved are running around in our cafeterias. And we are far too concerned with protecting our own table to even notice or care that they are in our midst. And then we have the audacity to get angry that it seems like society has turned its back on us and isn't doesn't care about the church anymore. Is it any wonder that Jesus piqued the curiosity a whole lot more than a church that seems to be more concerned about its tables and protecting it than it is about loving and caring for them? What are you saying, Pastor? You're saying that music doesn't matter? You're saying that Reformed or or other kinds of faith traditions don't matter? You're saying theology, conservative or liberal, doesn't matter? Is that what you're saying? That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that when those things begin to take priority over looking out for the Zacchaeuses and the prostitutes and the sinners and the unloved and those without hope, then this place and every other church that allows that to happen begins to reek of the school cafeteria. Jesus is ready to turn some tables. Say, get your priorities straight. We're missing too many people. Because all too often we're too concerned with making sure we're getting it just right. Because there are people out there who need Jesus. There are people in here who need Jesus. There are people here, and that's why this story is so great. There are people here who if they can just get a sense of the reality that in order to really know Jesus, you also have to allow yourself to be known by him their lives and the communities would begin to change all around them. This story also has something to say to us who have been on the journey for quite a while. It's a story, quite frankly, that should frighten us. Just as it frightened the crowds and the Pharisees and the tax collectors. Jesus is ready to turn some tables. Are we prepared to go out and to find the ones who are out there on their own? There's at least one young lady who is. And I sure as heck hope that we will follow lead for the glory of god's kingdom and for his glory alone hallelujah amen